The portion of God's Word that we will focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our risen redeemer. Amen. The name is Wilson W. Wilson. Anyone recognize the name? It's the famous neighbor whose nose and mouth you never saw. The one standing on the other side of the fence. Born in the 80s, child of the 90s. Home improvement ran, I think, from 91 to 99. If you ask someone who was watching Home Improvement during the 90s. What do you think of when you think of a neighbor? Maybe Wilson comes to mind. The the guy on the other side of the fence whose face you never really saw. Maybe you grew up in a residential neighborhood and you had neighbors stacked up down the road and as a kid you, you called the neighbor friends and you got groups of people together to play. Maybe you grew up in an apartment complex or out in the country where you needed binoculars to, to see the, the next house. We all might think of slightly different things when we think of a neighbor. 
What comes to mind when, when you think of, of, of a neighbor? This expert in the law, he asked that very simple question, right? And who is my neighbor? It's a loaded question when you look at the context. He comes to Jesus with this question that we've seen others ask Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And with those two words, I do, he tips his hand. He gives us a whole lot of information about what he thinks of God's law, about what he thinks of salvation. He thinks there's something he can do. Jesus throws it back on him and asks him, well, what do you think? And he gives this beautiful summary of God's law, the law of love. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. And how does Jesus respond? He says, you are correct. Do this and you will live. The command Jesus gives, the, the do, it's in the present tense in Greek, and, and I know we've talked about this before, but we'll talk about it one more time and every time because it's that important. When you have a command in present in Greek, it means it sticks with you all the time, every moment of every day. So if this is the present, it's always with you. It's kind of a deep concept, the present. It's always the present. It's constantly moving, right? It's always with you in this moment. It's, the words fly out of my mouth and they're in the past. The command is given in the present, do, meaning every single moment of your life, as long as you live, do this perfectly. And, and of course, the man right away is sent into panic mode. He wants to know, well, okay, who exactly is my neighbor? And that's where the parable comes from. In this parable, we're going to look at the law of love from three different angles. Jesus makes three main points that lead us to one conclusion about the law of love. Take a listen to the, the, the core of the parable again. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. First angle we want to look at is from the perspective of the characters in the parable. It becomes very clear right away that two are of Jewish descent, a priest and a Levite. Both would have been descendants of Levi, right? Definitely Jewish. But then the third man is definitely not Jewish, and that's the point. Jesus could have made all three characters Jewish, and two could have passed by, and one could have done the right thing. And at the end of the parable, Jesus could have asked the same question, who, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man? And the man could have replied, the one who had mercy on him. It didn't have to be someone who wasn't Jewish, right? But it is. And not just someone who's not Jewish, but an enemy of the Jews. And so the very first point that Jesus points out, the very first angle to the law of love when we 
want to know who exactly is my neighbor, is that you even have to love your enemies every single moment of, of your life. And that's easily convicting. It doesn't take much for us to look at that and say, yeah, I, I haven't perfectly loved those who are different from me. If you lived through any armed conflict in our lives, there may have been a point where you looked at the people of the nationality that we were at war with, viewed them as the enemy, and said something about them that was not perfectly loving. It's probably not too hard for you to see a failure in loving enemies. But in a sense, it's hyperbole. Jesus is overstating the point He doesn't need to go to the extreme to show you and me failure in our love. Because even if we were to perfectly love our enemies every single moment of our lives, then we go back to our house where our family lives or to work with our friends and coworkers and we see failure after failure after failure to love perfectly. You see, it's not just about perfectly loving enemies. It's about perfectly loving everyone, whether they're your enemy or your closest relative, and we certainly don't, don't do that. But of course, there is someone who did. Someone who perfectly loved both friend and family and foe. Jesus. As the nails are being pounded into him, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Right before that, as he's being betrayed, he says to the betrayer, friend, friend, do what you came to do. He doesn't lash out at him in angry words. He shows perfect love, just like he did every moment of every day. That's one angle. Love your enemies perfectly all the time. Goes on. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Great sacrifices here. Not only did this man stop on his way, go out of his way to help a person in need, he gave him oil and wine things of great value to him. He he took extra money out to, to help pay for the man's needs. Perfect love takes great sacrifice. My wife and I were just reminiscing or remembering just last week about a, a trip we had home from college on a Friday in the fall. We were about four hours from home and we were driving through a little Minnesota town on a two-lane highway and we were sitting at a stoplight waiting. There's a line of cars behind us, and we were the front car, and there was a little bar next to us. It was a a VFW Legion-type bar. And on the sidewalk, there was an old fella carrying a a big restaurant-sized tray of hamburger buns. And as he tried to get the door open, he dropped the whole thing. Buns everywhere all over the sidewalk. Must have been 60 plus buns, maybe more. We kind of panicked. The light turned green. We're like, oh, we should go help. We started rolling down the road because there were cars behind us and the light was green. We didn't do the instinctive thing to turn right and go around the block. 
We didn't turn at the next block and, and go back. We just kept going. Should we go back and help? We said. We really should. There's enough that even if we turn around now, he'll still need help by the time we get there. We just kept going and talking about it. Next thing you knew, we were half a mile away and then a mile away and then a couple hundred miles away, sitting in an easy chair that evening, wondering if anybody stopped to help. It was an inconvenience, I suppose. It would have taken a sacrifice of some measure to stop, to help. It's not like he was beaten by robbers and dying on the side of the road, but he... He certainly needed some help. He certainly needed some love. Do we great, greatly sacrifice? Are we willing to be inconvenienced by someone who needs us? Do we go out of our way and do everything we can every moment of every day? No. But there's someone who did. Someone who made the greatest sacrifice. Even before the cross, can you imagine what it would be like to give up everything? And I use that word intentionally. <laughs> Jesus, true God, literally owns everything. Everything belongs to him. He is as rich as rich can be, living in heaven. And he came down here. He gave it all up. He sacrificed everything, set it all aside to be born in a barn the lowest levels of poverty and lived poor his entire life made the greatest sacrifices because you were in need. So was I. Of course, the the cross is the greatest sacrifice where he gave up his perfect life for you, for me. He poured out his innocent blood as a sacrifice for your sins and mine. That's the second angle. One more. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Perfect love requires that you see it through, that you don't stop short of completion, that your love would would never grow tired When you get home after a long day and there's a little one who needs your love, who needs your attention, you never once, you never once think of yourself first. When your spouse is in need of your emotional energy a little bit more than you'd care to share right now, you never once fail to give them the time and attention that they need. Does your love fail? Does it grow tired? Mine does. Every single day. And when Jesus says, do this, remember, he's saying every single moment of your life, for the rest of your life, you must perfectly do this. From every angle, you must love neighbor and friend and enemy. You must make great sacrifices at every moment of every day. And you must never, ever, ever tire of loving I can't do that. Neither can you. But Jesus did. From the manger to the temple as a 12-year-old boy 
to his early 30s as he met some fishermen by the sea, healed the sick and, and raised the dead, as he went on a, on a mountainside alone to pray, but then the crowds came and he served their needs instead. To the cross, an empty tomb, an ascension to heaven, where he now sits at the right hand of God, ruling all things for your benefit and mine. He never has tired and never will. What's the point of this parable? What's the point of the law of love? It's an answer to the question, what must I do to be saved? And what's the answer? There's nothing you can do. Nothing. But there's one who can and did. His name is Jesus. I'm not a big fan of allegory. I'm not a big fan of looking through parables like this and saying, ah, the the oil is like baptism and the, the wine, that's like Lord's Supper and... You're the robber or the man beaten by robbers and and Jesus is the good Samaritan. If the scripture doesn't make that clear comparison for us saying this represents this and this represents that, it can be a dangerous path. But I can assure you this, the good Samaritan is not there to show you what you must do to get into heaven. The good Samaritan is there to show you Jesus. He's there to show you the perfect example that you and I fail to live up to, but to help us see our Savior who never failed, who perfectly loved friend, family, and enemy, who made the greatest of sacrifices and who never tired for you. Because you were lying there beaten and bloodied, left for dead, eternal death awaited you and me. And so Jesus stopped, and he helped. And he saw it through to completion, from birth to death to resurrection. Your Savior Jesus saw your salvation through. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. It's still there to show you need. It's still there to show you your failures so that you could see that you have the need for help. And Jesus is there to show you that you have the help that you need. And so now, knowing that we have the help that we need, what do we do? We go out and we love to the best of our ability. We love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We love our neighbor as ourselves, and we will fail miserably before the sun sets today. I all but guarantee it. And again tomorrow and the next day. When you fail, remember the Good Samaritan Remember Jesus, who never failed, so that you and I could be assured of our forgiveness every time we do fail. Lord's blessings as you love God and love neighbor. Amen.